It's the Everything is Surprising Us edition of the Dolphins In-Depth Podcast. I am caddy of the show, Armando Salguero, star of the show, Adam Beasley. How are you, sir? Were you surprised by the Dolphins defeating the San Francisco 49ers, a victory that no one predicted? <laughs> uh, no one predicted? <laughs> well, I feel, like, I feel like someone did predict that, and it wasn't me. Yeah. Uh so, f- to be fair, right? To be fair, you forgot that you pr- you picked them. I forgot that I picked them. <laughs> I also picked the Dolphins because I didn't think that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to play. As it turns out, the fact that he did play is one of the reasons that they won. <laughs> hey, a win's a win, okay? You don't. Uh, at the end of the season, they don't go well. You you know they went eleven and five, but you know. Six of those were because of, you know, pick sixes at the end. Uh, no, no, they say you won 11-5. And, and on Sunday, Armando, you went 1-0. I'll take it. Uh, here, here's my next prediction. The New York Jets will come to town this week, and the Dolphins will beat them too. How about, <laughs> how about that? Uh, I am 100% with you on that one. Uh, I don't even know how much we should discuss that game on this show because it is such an afterthought. Yeah, um, honestly, though, so we get done with this uh, butt-whipping, that it, which is what it was. It was a butt-whipping. How did that team go to the Super Bowl last year? Well, I mean, they had, they had a Bosa, if I remember correctly, helping them. Uh, and they had a Brita, if I remember correctly, helping them. And they they had an offensive line that did not play like the garbage we saw. Look, that offensive line is in trouble. I mean, they they you know they they were supposed to have these you know these great bookend tackles, and neither of them are playing particularly well. Um, they they've got some problems, and I think it speaks to how fleeting success is in the NFL. There's a reason that uh, you don't see teams that lose in the Super Bowl ever get back, unless they're the Buffalo Bills, because it's just so hard. And and if you if you get that far and you lose, it's so deflating. Uh, I mean, you, you can ride some momentum and, and goodwill, and you know maybe pick up some free agents who uh, who uh, on, on on the cheap if you're a defending Super Bowl champion. Uh, a lot of the, those uh, advantages of the incumbency, so to speak, don't really apply to the team that loses the Super Bowl. And you you often see a severe drop off. It happened with the Rams last year. It's happening with the 49ers this year. It's just really hard. You got to give the Dolphins credit because they're they did things that was specifically in line with what the 49ers were incapable of handling. In other words, the 49ers put a guy named Brian Allen on the field at cornerback on Sunday. Brian Allen was signed off of their practice squad. Brian Allen was earlier cut by the Buffalo Bills off of their practice squad. Brian Allen's middle name is Toast. And, <laughs> and Sourdough? Is, is his middle name Sourdough because he plays for San Francisco? Absolutely. And the Dolphins went after him as if, uh, you know, a dog chasing a meaty steak. They went after him time and time and time again. And it was it was – I almost teared up because it was like – what a proud moment they are! They're going, they're going after the weak link in the other defense instead of the other team going after the weak link in the Dolphins' defense. I, I, I'm, I'm, 
I'm a skew from myself. <laughs> I'm looking up briefly uh, what, you know, the targets and the catches and the touchdowns he all gave up. And it must be so bad that Pro Football Reference hasn't gotten around to doing it yet. Uh, at one point, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick had thrown for 168 yards in the game. I think that was still in the first quarter. And, <laughs> and Brian Allen had given up 124 of those. Is that bad? Uh, it, uh, I mean, it was a thing of beauty to, to, to see that Chan Gailey, you know, just – just saw the saw the little little dumpling of a quarterback asking to be burned, and he went and put him over the fire. It was amazing. It was great. Yeah, and it speaks actually pretty highly of the coaching staff that you know in years past we would think we'll do the obvious thing, do the exploit the the mismatch, and I, I don't think the entire Joe Philbin offense was was matchup based, was it? It was essentially. Here's what we're going to run. We got the best 11 on our side. They got the best 11 on their side, and we'll see how it goes. No, I, I, you, you see that this – I think Chan Gailey's actually shown a lot in the last four or five weeks. The, the, the opener was a stinker for sure. And, and week four, they could have been better in the red zone. But their, their offense is pretty efficient, man. And I, I'm, we'll get to it, but a lot of it – a lot of the credit belongs to, obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick. But they've got a guy who's drawing up plays and calling those plays to maximize the ability of their streaky quarterback, of their streaky wide receiver, of their streaky tight end, and of their no-name running backs. With all apologies to Jordan Howard, who once didn't lead the league in rushing, uh, right now they have a no-name stable of running backs. And and yet, despite all that, they're 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 probably in the top half of the league when it comes to offense. Chan Gailey is the best coach on the Dolphins staff, and that includes the head coach. Wow. There's our, there's our takeaway from today. Wow. He, he just is. He's, he's experienced. He, 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 he adjusts. Um, sometimes it takes him a little longer than I would love, but typically he really has very good adjustments. Um, he, he, understands his players and has understood his players faster than the other coaches. You know, this is a basically a pretty brand new team and Gailey has caught up very quickly with what his talent is and isn't and the guys who isn't are outie and the guy the guys who is are any. And that's just the way that Chan Gailey has worked. And I've been impressed with Chan Gailey. God bless him. You know, the last time I covered him was 20 years ago when he was Dave Wanstead's offensive coordinator. And so I, I don't want to say he's better than he was because that suggests he wasn't great back then. But he's just uh, the 68-year-old guy. He's doing good. I love him. They're, they're 16th in yards per play on the season at 5.7. But Armando in the last three weeks, which is when they've kind of gotten hot, uh, they're 11th at 6.1. Are you telling me that the, the, the weapons they have on offense and an offensive line that started three rookies and Jesse Davis, who God bless him, is a tryhard, but he's probably a good number six, and Eric Flowers, who was almost run out of the league two years ago, uh, plus Ted Karras, uh, who, who couldn't get re-signed by the pass, 
are, are you telling me that that collection of offensive talent is one of the top 15 or 16 in the NFL? I would say no. And yet Steve Marshall has done a good job with him. And who brought Steve Marshall to the Miami Dolphins? Uh, Chan Gailey? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I'm telling you, a uh, little-known fact, Chan Gailey was almost the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. In 2020? No. <laughs> In 2020. <laughs> he was almost the head coach of the Miami Dolphins in 2007. Wow. As a, as a matter of fact. Um, Could he have done a better job than the guy they hired? I believe he might have. The way that it worked, the way that it worked, and these are things that you can learn by purchasing 100 things Dolphins fans should know and do before they die. It's been, a, awesome it's, been a, book. it's been a while since we've had a plug, so I'm glad we could work that in. An awesome book uh, by yours truly, caddy of the show, uh, available on Amazon and all other uh, platforms that sell books, but the way that it worked is Chan Gailey interviewed for the job, and Brian Wiedemeyer, who was at the time the president of the team, wanted Wayne Huizenga to hire Chan Gailey, and Chan Gailey had Brian Wiedemeyer's endorsement. But then the San Diego, then the San Diego Chargers, it's because they were playing in San Diego at the time, mm-hmm. lost improbably in a year that they went something like 14-2 and two in the regular season and took an early first-half lead against New England. Uh, at home, they gave the ball to LaDainian Tomlinson five times in the second <laughs> half after giving it to him like 18 times in the first half to take that lead. And they lost to New England in that game. The Patriots came back and, and rallied and, and eliminated the Chargers. And the Dolphins' best idea was, let's hire the offensive coordinator who decided to put his future Pro Bowl running back, who was having a stellar game against the Patriots in getting them the lead. Let's put him on ice. That guy's the guy that we want to hire. And Joe Bailey uh, told Wayne Huizenga it had to be, um, you know, Cam Cameron had to be the new Dolphins coach, and Cam Cameron won out, and Chan Gailey didn't get the job. Hey, let's get that thumb going this way, okay? (laughs) Um, How things could have been different, man. I mean, this is probably a conversation for the offseason, but when you think of the – kind of the weak-willed leaders that this franchise has had, uh, you know, Cam Cameron and Joe Philbin come to mind immediately and contrast them with the complete alpha they have in in Brian Flores, uh, it's pretty stunning. It is stunning. Um, And alpha is always something that I defer to. But I think I would like Look, the most successful coach in franchise history, the most successful coach in NFL history, Don Shula. Oh, I thought you were talking. I thought you were talking about Nick Saban. <laughs> yeah, I think you could say that he was a, an alpha, but he understood nuance, and there wasn't a stubbornness to his alpha. 
There wasn't, you oh, know. That's, that's, that, that is a great tease, by the way, because I was going to ask you about a certain degree of stubbornness. Should, should, we, should we pay some bills and, and get back to this on the other side? My bills are all paid up. But, yeah, let's do that. And we're back, and we were discussing Brian Flores, and the topic, the topic was stubbornness. Armando, go. <laughs> uh, let's see. Minka Fitzpatrick. Stubbornness? Mm. Mm. How'd, that, how'd that work mm. out? Stubbornness? Mm. Hey, they, um, got, uh, they, they, they got Austin Jackson out of that. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> that's great. And, Okay. I mean, come on. So, all pro, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, stubbornness, because you're going to do what I tell you. We're not going to. Remember, Don Shula was the guy that said what? I'm going to coach to the talents of my players. And if I have talent that wants to run the ball and is great at doing that, we're going to do that, and we're going to go undefeated, and we're going to win two Super Bowls, and that's the way it's going to go. And if I have talent that wants to throw the ball because, it's you know, that's the talent, then we're going to do that, and we're going to win a bunch of games doing that, and that talent is going to go to the Hall of Fame doing what? That. Don Shula was able to kind of adjust to what was going on. Hmm. Stubbornness is a thing that I think a young coach needs to, you know, kind of melt, kind of find some nuance to, I think. Um, I agree. I, and I would argue that they've actually shown, you know, subtly some flexibility that surprised me. Um, th- this is a team that wants to be a cover one man press team. And their defense has been a lot better in recent weeks. You know why? Because they played a lot of zone. And, and Xavier Howard had an interception on Sunday, his third in three weeks, by the way, when they played some zone. So I, I think that they're, yes, they're obviously being stubborn. I don't know if there's a word, but uh, they're being uh, very strong-handed when it comes to not playing to a tongue of Iloa at all, by the way, because, uh, you know, you could – they, they felt comfortable enough sitting their entire starting defense the last half of the fourth quarter, but they didn't feel comfortable enough sitting their starting quarterback. Um, that, to me, was a bit interesting. Uh, but I do think that they have made – they've made adjustments. 
they just they will just be absolutely damned if they're going to make those adjustments because we bring those issues to their attention. They, well, they, they don't they don't want they don't want we the media dictating anything what they do. Well, uh, that's great, except that it's not the media that dictates. I mean, uh, stubbornness. So let me see. Against the Buffalo Bills, you have Noah Igbenogany playing man press. Uh, against the Bills and a lot against Stephon Diggs, and you're going to do it time after time after time after time after time after time, and you didn't switch, and that was stubbornness. And it wasn't until the next week when the media said, what the heck are you doing, that they decided still going to do it, and they did it again and Noah Igbenogany was left on the island, man press. You got to know your assignments. And what happened? He was he was exposed again, time after time. So yeah, they adjusted, <laughs> but it took a while. That's stubbornness. <laughs> uh, I, I'm curious. Uh, do you do you think the fact that they didn't play two in the fourth quarter? Is a thing? Do you think that because that they, I mean, they showed a willingness to to pull out their starters when the game was in hand. Uh, the fact that they're not even comfortable giving him ten, twelve snaps in garbage time is that is that is that is that a thing to you? Look, um, is it a thing to you? I want to know what your answer is first. Yes, I think uh, I think if his if the quarterback's name was Josh Rosen. We would have seen him. So why do you – I don't know if it was – I don't know the reason that he didn't get in there. He should have gotten in there. Look, people forget Dan Marino didn't didn't start right away either as the Dolphins quarterback. And when the season started, it was game three where he got – like the final two drives of a game against Oak, um, not Oakland, but the Los Angeles Raiders, and they had two um, touchdowns, and they lost the game because they were down 27 to nothing at the time. But Don Shula was was happy because mm-hmm. he saw Dan Marino play, and he saw that it's going to work. This is going to be good. I feel like I read that story somewhere. Thank you. Um, also, that that story is in 100 Things Dolphins Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Excellent sports book. Excellent stuff. Get it at Amazon or other book-selling platforms. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> gratuitous, I, gratuitous is the word that comes to mind right now. Gratuitous. I, I crack myself up. <laughs> so is it the injury thing, or what is it? Or is it the stubbornness that's keeping to her out of game playing? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, because they they very, very clearly do not want there to be the idea of a quarterback controversy, correct? There's a reason the guy hasn't spoken to us in seven, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, but seven weeks. There's a reason. And it's not because we even requested him. We have each and every week. So there's a, there's a reason they're hiding him from the media and they're hiding him from the field. I don't know what that answer is. That's interesting. Uh, you know, at some point that's going to be a story. You realize that, right? Of course. It should be. Uh, uh, because... The Miami Dolphins, well, they don't want to play to a Tonga Vailoa. I get that. That's fine. You you are free to make 
your decisions based on what you believe is the best route to go to develop this player. But he has not been made available to the media since August 29th. And the NFL has rules that say that players must cooperate with the media and if they decide that they don't want to or the team decides not to have them do it, they get fined. And so that's that's on the that's on the horizon as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's it, it's 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 very strange to me that uh, Tua came from a program that also has kind of a strong-willed, my way or the highway head coach. Don't say don't say stupid things in the media. And you know what? He was that stubborn coach. Is one of his favorite players of all time because of the way he conducted himself on the field and off. Um, why don't they have faith in Tua at this stage in his career to comport himself on the field and off in the way that he did that that he's done basically since he picked up a football? It, it, it's it's not like it's a Ryan Leaf situation where the guy's kind of a you know a loose cannon and you don't know you know the highs and lows and all that. Tua's a pretty pretty steady guy, right? I mean, who was it last week that said he doesn't think Tua ever had a bad day in his life because he's always so positive and and he's not going to get up there and say, of course I should be starting put you know put Fitz out the pasture. He's done. He would never ever say that. So it's it's strange that they're being. Not strange because he is their franchise, the future of their franchise. But it is peculiar that, he, that 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 they're being so protective of him, you know, on the field and off. It's just I've I've never seen anything like this before, and I've covered this team for nine seasons with any other player. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting because here it's, I was speaking to an NFL person about this today. Uh, in regards to Tua, because everybody's, like, texting me and calling me going, what the heck is going on? Especially since they see Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert balling. Mm -hmm. And so they're wondering, what's up with Tua? And this person brought up the idea that, you know what? They have been so careful and so overly careful with Tua. And that last week, as the head coach said... He's not ready. He's absolutely not ready. Uh, he said this, correct? Correct. Well, one assumes that when he does play, he will be ready. They've held on to him. <laughs> they've held on to him for so long. They've they've um, nurtured him to such a degree that when he actually gets to play, everyone is going to expect that. You've got to be ready. You've got, now is your time. You didn't play for all this long time because you weren't ready. So now you're in, so now you're ready. That means that all the growing pains that everyone assumes that rookies get to have, all the, the, the mistakes that rookies get to make, well, you're ready. So you're not supposed to do that. It's, it's really a, an oxymoron, is it an oxymoron or a catch-22, but it puts him in somewhat of a difficult situation. Yeah, I, I think they might be, you're, you're right, I think they're overthinking this a bit. Um, of course, there are long examples of, of teams that put a quarterback in there and he gets slaughtered and he's never the same. 
I mean, the number one pick of the Houston te- uh, Texans in 2002 comes to mind, right? I mean, they've car. Correct. But that's not this team. I mean, that, that, the, this offensive line is, is, is statistically, from a pass protection standpoint, a top 10 offensive line. They're only giving up 1.6 sacks per game, which is the ninth fewest in the NFL. Yeah, they could be better at running the football, but they're, even without Austin Jackson last week, they, they hung in there. So, look, I, I still think we're not far from this change happening particularly if they lose on Sunday. I mean, if they lose to the Jets and Fitz plays poorly and then they have the bye, there will be – it will be a flashing, flashing neon sign of warning if Tua doesn't play in week eight. If, if, if what happens in week six – what I just said happens in week six, which I don't think it will, by the way, because I think the Jets are a dumpster fire. But if, if that does happen and Fitz is still the starter in week eight, something really went wrong. Uh, yeah, except – yeah, what you said, it's it's not going to happen because I already predicted that they're beating the Jets, <laughs> right? So they can't lose to the – it's not humanly possible on this planet that the Dolphins lose to the Jets at home this week. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Caddy of the show said not happening. So it, the Dolphins don't want to upset Caddy of the show. Um, and, so, and so, assuming that they do stay in your good graces and win on Sunday, yeah, and they, ha- and they have a week off, yeah, then we're, then we're talking what? What, what is today? The thirteenth. So we're talking then uh, November. November first. Is that right? Yeah. And, and there will, you know. So think about this. Um, Fitz is starting this week. Mm-hmm. He, they're going to win. You mm-hmm. don't replace your quarterback. When you win, especially when you win two in a row and three out of four, right? By week, so all good. The next one out will be the Rams, I think. Correct? That sounds right. So he's going to start the next three weeks, or he will be remain the starter for the next three weeks, at least. Mm-hmm. And it so won't the, be until the, after that Rams game that we might sort of could revisit the idea of Tua. That would be November 8th uh, in, in Phoenix against the Arizona Cardinals. Actually, what is the uh, Glendale? Is that where the stadium is? Yeah. Glen, Glendale, Arizona. Right. And so if you get to, to November 8th, you're basically 51, 50 to 51 weeks shy of, of, of his injury, right? I mean, they will, maybe, the, maybe they're just bound and determined to get to a year. And it would be fine if they came out and said that. It would explain a lot, right? Um, well, let's well, wrap it up uh, with with this. What's the magic thing about the year? Explain that to me because I haven't understood it. Because it was my understanding that once the doctor said you're good, you are able to play football. That you're good, you're able to play football. So, it, it, are you telling me that the doctor said you're good, you're able to play football, but they're lying? I don't know if it's a matter of lying. I think it's a matter of complete and utter erring on the side of caution. And, and the, the date was November 16th, by the way. November 16th, 2019 was, in, was a Tungavaloa – sorry, I'm sorry, Tua Tagovailoa dislocates his right hip against Mississippi State. And so you'll be talking about November 8th, which is, I think, the first possible time he could start being 51 weeks removed. 
Maybe there, you know, sports science people say, yes, he has a 99% chance of a full recovery if he waits nine months, but 100% chance if he waits a year. Maybe, maybe that's the difference. I don't know. But, again, these are questions that we talked about this last week. I'll talk about it again, that if the head coach isn't going to provide an answer for it, it would be nice to have the general manager on the record about it. Well, let, let's do that exercise for a second. So a year is, is it this suddenly magic uh, number where he's more likely to remain healthy if you give him the whole year. I have a counteroffer. Mm-hmm. If you give him two years – He's going to be way, way, way <laughs> more likely to be healthy. And if you give him seven years, he's going to be way, 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 way more likely to be healthy uh, than if you only give him a year. Well, I, mean, I don't understand. Are they well, playing football or are they not playing football? I think it is a piece of a larger puzzle. I think, yes, the, the, the year is something that, 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 that is a factor. But you know who else is also a factor? Their quarterback being number four in QBR right now, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Sure. Uh, and, 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 yes, he has thrown five interceptions, but I think three of those, his arm was hit. So it's not like he was just throwing up ducks. Yeah, he had some bad picks. But I think the majority of them were, you know, the ball did not go where it was intended because someone hit his arm. So, um, you know, and, 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 and the fact that they're – they're going to win on Sunday and be maybe the seventh seed in the AFC. I mean, this is a team that doesn't want to punt on the season. And putting into it right now by, by really? the, way the, the way they're behaving, putting into it right now would be punting on the season. Really? 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 I, I thought Tua Tungvaloa was good. I was told he was he's the fifth overall pick because he is going to be a – Stud. And so uh, we're punting on the season by playing the stud? He's going to be. He's not right now. How do you know? Well, they know because they're not playing him. How do they know? He's not playing. They don't know. They I thought mean, Robert Hunt wasn't ready. Guess what? He's ready. Yeah. Robert Hunt played on Sunday. Did he do good? What happened, what happened to Jesse Davis when Austin Jackson comes back? Uh, that's for another week. <laughs> that's, that's, that's for another week. That's for another podcast. Um, I think we're done. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, yeah. I, think 30, I think 30 minutes is enough. Yeah. Uh, again, I think Tua is good. And prove me wrong. Okay? I'm sorry. I don't well, think putting Tua in punts on the season. Well, get ready for November 8th because that's the first time we'll actually see him. All right, there's there's star of the show prediction on Tua Tungvaloa's debut. There it is, right there. Thank you very much, star of the show. We appreciate you joining us this week on the prediction edition of the <laughs> Dolphins of Depth podcast. And remember, if you wish to know everything you want to know about the Miami Dolphins history, <laughs> 100 things... <laughs> I can't even do it. (laughs) See you guys next week.